New York Focus is the independent newsroom reporting on uh, how power and politics in New York impacts people's lives. And Radio Catskills partner with New York Focus to regularly bring you their in-depth journalism. Today we're delving into an issue that intersects with economics, environment, and policy as New York, like many states, is striving to phase out fossil fuels. But local tax breaks as distributed by industrial development agencies at the county level uh, are turning out to be a hidden obstacle. New York Focus reports on these hidden subsidies. Julia Rock co-wrote the most recent article. We last spoke to her in November about a similar intersection between IDAs and proposed solar installations. I spoke with Julia earlier today. So just. So just to zoom out a little bit, New York has about 110 of these local agencies at the town and county level called industrial development authorities that give out a little bit over a billion dollars each year in tax breaks, largely property tax breaks. And these agencies were set up to attract economic development to different areas and economic development, I mean, mainly meaning jobs. Um, by handing out tax breaks to corporations sort of with the idea that they could lure them to the area, you know, to create jobs. And one thing that I realized while working as a climate reporter this fall is that developers of all types, wind, solar, natural gas power plant developers, all see these industrial development agencies as playing a very important role in getting projects built. Because if you are trying to build a huge piece of infrastructure, one of your biggest costs is going to be property taxes. So oftentimes when developers say, again, you're looking to build a wind farm, a solar farm, maybe a power plant, you know, when you're figuring out where you're going to build it and how you're going to get it done, you you really want to be able to negotiate a lower property tax bill. So the story I wrote this fall about wind and solar was about how some um, local county legislator, legislatures or local activists sort of saw these industrial development agencies actually as a way to block projects because they thought, you know, if they could convince the industrial development agency not to hand out a property tax break, um, then maybe the wind or solar project wouldn't come to the area. And now the most uh, recent article that we're going to talk about, co-written with Colin Kinneberg, the titles, Hidden Subsidies Prop Up New York's Fossil Fuel Industry. And it's almost like a, a corollary to that story because this, at least your opening narrative, is about a, a town, you know, Athens, essentially trying to uh, use the IDA to not renew tax breaks for a, a fossil fuel energy producer, a natural gas power plant. Yeah, so... Uh, as as was the case, you know, with, with the renewables that I wrote about in the fall, it turns out that some of the biggest property tax breaks that IDAs have given over the past decade or so have been to power plants, which, you know, as you can imagine, are these huge multi-billion dollar pieces of infrastructure where if they paid full property taxes, it could be a really high bill. Um, and so I was writing a little bit. The, the opening of the story you mentioned is about a huge natural gas power plant in the Hudson Valley in Athens, New York, that um, over a decade ago was granted uh, a tax break, uh, a break on its property tax bills to operate. Um, Last year, the deal for the tax break was set to expire, at which point the power plant would have had to go on to pay full property tax bills. So they went to the IDA to renegotiate uh, another tax break for another 15 years. What's sort of remarkable about the timing here, of course, was that when the plant was first built, New York was in a position where it was promoting natural gas development 
uh, natural gas was supposed to replace coal. It was sort of seen as a bridge fuel, um, which, of course, has turned out to be wrong. But in, in, in the energy transition, a way to reduce emissions while getting rid of coal. Now, of course, the state is trying to shut down its fossil fuel infrastructure. In 2019, the state passed really uh, aggressive emissions reductions targets. So it was sort of remarkable that uh, just last year, a huge natural gas power plant was trying to get another very large subsidy to operate. Part of what you've identified in all of this reporting is that there is a disconnect between state goals, state administration, and then local administration through uh, these IDAs. There, there's actually kind of a disconnect that you've really found here. I think there are sort of two things going on here. I mean, first, it seems like these industrial development agencies are playing a really important role in New York climate and energy politics uh, because they have the power to sort of shape the finances of constructing an energy project. At the same time, sort of as you point out, you know, a lot of climate policy in New York is being written at the state level and, you know, specifically the goal to phase out fossil fuels and to spur a bunch of new development of wind and solar. And yet, if you go down to the local level, it's not always the case uh, that the industrial development authority is in alignment with the state. And that, you know, that might be in part for understandable reasons. I mean, um, in, in the case of the wind and solar project, as we had discussed, IDAs are supposed to create jobs, and those projects don't create a lot of permanent jobs. You know, at the same time, in, in the case of these these um, fossil fuel power plants, I think a lot of times the towns or counties will think, you know, even though we have to offer them a tax break to come, it's still much better to have them come in and be paying millions of dollars of years in property taxes on land that otherwise probably wouldn't be creating very much revenue. So I think in terms of the mandate of the local authority, you can maybe understand why they're making the decisions they are. And yet it is going against, in many cases, the state's climate goals. Is there going to be a reckoning at some point? Have folks at the state level picked up on what you've picked up on here, this disconnect? Totally. I mean, one thing that's been interesting in all of these stories is that legislators have been, you know, extremely interested in our findings. And there is a state entity that is in charge of oversight of the IDAs. It's the Authorities Budget Office. But that is an agency that has historically been pretty understaffed. Your listeners right, might remember that last year there was a big state Senate investigation led by Senator Skoufis into one of these industrial development authorities in Orange County, and they actually put an independent monitor in place there to uh, basically keep an eye on what the IDA has been up to. So there's definitely been a little bit of legislative attention and statewide attention on these IDAs. But certainly, you know, I as a reporter, I'm very curious to see how legislators respond to our findings that focus that the IDAs are not always in alignment with the state climate goals. I, I can see some good news in your reporting here because you have a nice graph here that's actually showing the amount of subsidies IDAs are giving to renewables seems to be increasing. Am I reading this chart right? Yes, you're absolutely right. So even though, um, you know, as I had said, there were some IDAs that were very resistant to providing subsidies for renewable energy. There have been others that really see attracting wind and solar as a great way in particular to grow their property tax base because having, you know, really expensive infrastructure come to a region that is mostly rural um, could, you know, even again, if they're getting a, a break, could still 
increase uh, the size of property taxes that a county can collect by quite a bit. So I think it was 22 was the first year that uh, IDAs in New York actually handed out more subsidies to renewables than to fossil fuel projects. So that's an interesting trend. Uh, It's moving in the right direction if you have lofty climate goals, but is it moving fast enough to meet those lofty climate goals? You know, one thing that was interesting, too, about writing about the wind and solar projects is I think there are a lot of uh, state lawmakers, even those who, you know, really want the state to meet its climate goals, who would say, well, we just really shouldn't be leaving this up to, you know, local authorities at all. So if we want to be if we think, you know, a wind or a solar company is going to need a subsidy for it to be viable to build, we should be doing that at the state level, not at the local level. But yes, totally. One way to read this data might be, well, you know, at least the the tides are turning and um, more money now is going to clean energy than to fossil fuels. Anything else that you found uh, interesting or surprising as you were working on this? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that I've really found fascinating about reporting on uh, IDAs is it gives me a glimpse what sort of the economic dynamics for towns and counties are around this project. Because, you know, as I said before, obviously providing a tax break to a huge corporation uh, might seem like an unnecessary waste of tax revenue, which I think is how a lot of people have framed this. And that might be the case. I think this also, however, does uh, give a sense that, you know, having a big wind farm or solar farm, or in in some cases it was a power plant, you know, come to your town Well, you might see many downsides, could also, you know, increase the money that's available for schools um, or decrease the property tax burden on homeowners. So that's been really an interesting thing to watch play out. And I know you are watching all of this. Have you identified anything that you think needs to change to address any of these conflicts or problems caused by these subsidies? I mean, one thing that just has been really remarkable to me is sort of how little attention there has been from, you know, state energy regulators, uh, the state climate agency, state lawmakers on, uh, you know, how IDAs might be impacting climate politics in New York. Um, And so that definitely seems like something to me. And, you know, obviously part of my job is is bringing people's attention to this. But I think that's something that seems like it really needs to happen is having even you know, more uh, transparency and attention focused on this. What story are you going to be looking at next? Can you give us a sneak peek? Totally. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, the big stories on the climate front this legislative session are going to have to do with natural gas planning and whether people can have new natural gas hookups to their homes or whether the state is going to stop mandating that's something everybody can have. That's the New York Heat Act. I think there's going to be a lot of talk around speeding up um, energy transmission siting, and there's a bill on that this session. So those are two things I'm I'm following on the climate front. On the IDA front, there's going to be a big effort from legislators to stop IDAs from handing out tax breaks that cut into um, school tax revenue. So that's also, I think, going to be a big fight that's very much on on this issue this session. Julia, thank you so much for taking the time to go over all this. Thanks so much for having me on.